you all. Um, this, there's a phone over there. It's got Facebook on it. I'd watch what I say when you're kind of hanging around that phone, because uh, people on, over the internet, people in the wide, wide world out there might hear uh, your conversations. Uh, but if you're here and, and you're watching on Facebook, welcome. And uh, if you're watching us and streaming for the first time, a very uh, special welcome to you. We're glad that you've joined us this morning, and, uh, and I'm believing that God's going to speak uh, to some people today. Uh, this morning we're in part three of our uh, Colossians series. And then as Debbie said, next week, Pastor Abraham is going to be bringing a word. Uh, and I'm sorry, that means you have to get me for worship, but I'm sure you'll survive that. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to be kicking off our 21 days of prayer. And so here's the important thing uh, to, to consider as we kind of head into our 21 days of prayer. Uh, firstly, have a, have a think about what you want to fast for 21 days. Uh, I've said often um, that maybe coffee's not always the best thing to ask to fast, because if you thought hangry was bad, uh, not having coffee for 21 days is probably worse. Um, but have a, have a think about what you want to fast for 21 days. And then secondly, uh, have a think about what you're believing for God to speak to you about in that 21 days. So whenever we look at fasting in Scripture, uh, it was often people who, who kind of needed direction from God and who needed to hear from God for what was happening in their lives. And so when they were fasting, they were fasting to hear from God what God's direction was and what God wanted them and where God wanted them to move to. And so have a think about those two things as we head into our 21 uh, days of fasting, and then we'll all uh, suffer together uh, for 21 days. Sounds like a good plan. Is everyone with me? Silence. Silence. Uh, but this morning we're going to be going through, um, through, did you like that? We're going to be going through Colossians 3, uh, which is jam-packed with some perla of uh, verses. But we, I'm going to be teaching this morning out of verses 1 through to 11, uh, which has uh, three key themes in it in the message that I've titled, Look, Look, and Look. Uh, everyone say look. Good. All right. Nice and easy. Um, and so let's pray before we come to the Word this morning. Father God, again, we just thank you, Lord, for, uh, we thank you for the Word. God, we thank you for truth. Uh, we thank you for uh, Jesus, who was uh, living truth and the outworking of truth on earth. And we thank you, God, that you are with us, that you strengthen us, uh, Lord, that you empower us to live in your truth, uh, that you enable us. And we thank you, God, uh, that you are real. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that uh, you would be real to each and every one of us today. Father, I pray that you would just speak a fresh uh, word into our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so in week one, we looked at uh, Paul and Timothy's uh, prayer for the Colossians. And we kind of broke that down. Uh, as we had a look at what they were praying for them. And then last Sunday, uh, we saw in chapter 2, Paul teaching uh, the church about being firmly rooted in Christ and about being planted in Jesus because uh, it kind of highlighted these two facts for us, uh, that Jesus was the fullness of God, and then secondly, that everything we needed was found in Jesus. That's awesome, eh? What, what, a, what a leader to follow and what a leader to serve. And so if you missed uh, those two messages, you can find that on the Easy Church app and also 
on our podcast under Shaw Elam. And so in, in chapter 3, uh, as Paul kind of carries on writing, he, he's exalting and he's writing um, some practical applications from, uh, for the doctrine and the teachings that he's just presented in chapter 2. So the teaching that Paul was kind of saying, you know, uh, th- this, this is the belief, this is what we have in Jesus. He's, he's in chapter 3 giving us some practical applications to that. And so we're going to get straight into uh, our points this morning as we unpack uh, this passage through from 1 through to 11, uh, verse by verse. And I'll go through quickly so we're not stuck here for forever. And, and uh, last, last Sunday was a bit meaty. Um, so I'll try and keep it a bit lighter uh, today so um, we can all relax a little bit. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Our first point this morning to note is to look up and look above. Look up and look above. So Paul, uh, in, in this whole letter of Colossians, he's he focuses on the sovereignty and on the supremacy of Christ. And in the first two chapters, everything that Paul was writing, he always brought it back to what Jesus had done, and he brought it all back to what that meant for the believer. And so he was writing all these things, and then he said, this, but this is what Jesus has done, and this is what it means for you. And so we're the false teachers that we were speaking of in the last couple of weeks. We're telling people to, you know, uh, you've you got to focus um, You've got to concentrate on the things of this earth. You've got to concentrate on these practices. You've got to concentrate on these rituals. You've got to observe these worldly things that are going on. Paul was contrasting that by telling them to concentrate on eternal realities, to concentrate on heavenly things, the things that are above, things that don't always make sense to people who don't know God, uh, things that don't always uh, kind of uh, fit even within our own understanding sometimes. Have you, have you ever had that when stuff's happened and you just don't understand how it happened? Have you ever had uh, something that, that would absolutely knock someone else out, it's come your way and you've just kind of found this peace about it? You've just kind of found the strength within it. Uh, and, so, and so Paul is kind of instructing people to look, look above, look at something that is higher and that is bigger than you. And Paul wants them to live in this eternal perspective of God, this eternal perspective of what matters in life rather than focusing on a whole lot of these, uh, at that time, probably religious rituals and regulations that were kind of uh, all through the, the region of Colossae. And so rather than following set rules, uh, popular culture, the crowd, uh, Paul is teaching the Christians to submit day by day, moment by moment to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that, uh, you know, that, that idea of looking above, that idea of looking to God um, is consistent in the teachings of Jesus, and it's consistent in the teachings of the early church. And it matters even more today. So Paul continues to write in verse 2. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Not on things on the earth. And so Paul reminds the believers at Colossae uh, who, he's, who he's talking to, 
to keep their minds on godly and spiritual things. He's speaking to those who have accepted Jesus. He's speaking to those who are walking with Christ and who have received him as his Savior. And he's saying, rather than looking at, uh, rather than looking at money, the things that are in this world to fulfill you, to find happiness, rather than looking at the things uh, that this world has to offer to kind of get a sense of meaning or a sense of purpose in your life, be focused above. Be focused on Jesus, on the one who is your creator. If anyone knows what you need, if anyone knows what you're created for, what you're designed for, what you can do, what you're capable of, it's the one who created you. Amen? So Paul is saying, be focused on your creator. Because in Colossians 3 verse 3, he goes on to say, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah to that. In our salvation in Jesus, we have died to the old and our life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God, Paul says in verse 3. He continues in verse 4, and he says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with glory in Him. What a cool verse. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with glory in him. And so here Paul's kind of giving the church a preview of uh, what is uh, the, the second coming or the return of Jesus. He's highlighting again that Jesus is the source of true life, that Jesus is the source of life for all believers. And, and he's, he's highlighting that Christ is not only the giver of life, he's not only the, the sustainer of our life, he's saying that Jesus, he is life. He doesn't just sustain it. He doesn't just give it. Jesus is life. You know, in this specific context, Paul, Paul is obviously anticipating, he's obviously expecting that Jesus is going to return at any moment. Scripture tells us to expect that Jesus is going to come at any time. And that's a thought that is consistent in the New Testament, uh, that when Christ appears... All believers will be with him in glory. Amen. Who's looking forward to that day? When he appears, we'll be with him in glory. Ephesians 4 verse 10. It says, He who descended, speaking of Jesus, is the very one who has ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And so instead of looking at the worldly realities, instead of looking at things uh, outside or, or that are on this earth to try and fill our lives, instead of hanging our heads in the midst of a world uh, that is in, in very much working against the principles of God, uh, let's uh, lift our heads, let's look above, let's lift our eyes and bring our focus on Christ and on eternal realities and eternal promises. Our second point this morning is to look out. Look out for things that can trap you. Look out for the enemy who is out to tempt you away from the things of God, who is out to steal, who is out to destroy. 
You know, in verses 5 through to 8, Paul gives the Colossians instructions concerning uh, proper conduct. And he states uh, in both negative and positive terms the kind of life that God wants Christians to live. And so although the believers in Colossae were uh, once captivated by the the evil practices that we're going to list and that we're going to hear in the coming verses, Paul is telling them that they need to abandon these practices. And uh, I think it's important that we should take note because these uh, are practices that apply for us today. They're the things that we should be uh, striving to abandon in our lives. Uh, They are practices that we seek to turn away from when we turn and follow Jesus, seeking to be uh, and to live holy lives before Him. And so we look out to identify these things uh, that we don't need to put to death, uh, that we do need to put to death, as Paul goes on to say uh, in our next verse. He says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Now, Uh, It's not talking about church members. It's not talking about your pastor. Paul lists the members that he means uh, in the same verse. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, evil evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so Paul's instructing the reader to not... Paul is pretty much instructing the leader to the, the reader to not let your body, not let your flesh uh, get what it wants. Not to let your flesh get whatever it wants. Because if we're honest with ourselves, what our flesh wants is selfish. What our flesh wants is pretty destructive. What our flesh wants, uh, especially when we can get a little bit upset and angry, is not good. And that's what Paul is instructing uh, the reader to, to stay away from. And so rather, he is instructing them to live by the desires that Christ has for their life. And he calls out these five specific sins uh, which Christians are to put to death in their physical bodies. The first one, look out, uh, firstly, abstain from sexual immorality. Second thing, look out for impurity and spiritual uncleanness. Thirdly, look out for passion. That word passion is also translated as lust. Look out for lust in your life. Fourthly, look out for evil desires, wanting things which are wrong. Have you ever just wished something wrong would happen to someone because you weren't very happy with the way they were doing things? No, just me. Okay. I'll repent and get over it and get move on. Evil desires, wanting things that are wrong, and then finally, covetousness, which is jealousy over what others have. And Paul calls that uh, idolatry. And so in verse 8, Paul lists, and so look, Paul lists all these things in this verse, which is really cool uh, for us to kind of move away from. And then in verse 8, he lists a couple of other things uh, to deal with in our lives and to put to death in our life. Verse 8, he writes, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You know, if we ever wanted instructions on how to live a life pure, that is, uh, that is righteous before God, that is pure before God, then Paul gives us some very good guidelines here in Colossians 3. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. 
put to death uncleanness, fornication, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. That, just reading that straight out of the scripture is good teaching. There's actually not a whole lot we need to add to that. And then Paul continues in verse 6 and 7. Oh, we're getting through these really quick, eh? It's good. Paul continues in verses 6 and 7. He says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Oh, don't want to be in that crowd. The wrath of God is coming against the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So he's saying to the church in Colossians, he's saying to the Colossians, you guys used to do all this stuff. But now because of your faith in Jesus, the wrath of God will rescue you. It'll come upon those who are disobedient, who are away from God. And so after pointing out what to put to death, Paul warns them, uh, that the sins he has just listed are inviting in the wrath of God. And so Paul understands, and it's very important for us to understand, uh, that this freedom from the power of sin does not mean that we cannot be tested. I think we all know that one. That just because we're saved, just because we've accepted Jesus, it doesn't mean that we don't get tempted. Nor does it mean that believers are immune to falling back into those sins. And this is why Paul is issuing this warning to the Colossians. That's why it's a, it's a warning that is important for the church. These warnings about the dangers of sin. It's why we need to be looking out. It's why we need to look out in wisdom and in discernment over our lives and over the lives of each other. Amen? Because everyone's capable of sin, whether we're saved or not. And maybe you've kind of looked at your life and, and sometimes kind of thought the things that you've done or the things that are in your past have disqualified you for some reason. Maybe things don't look as shiny or as pristine as, as you think it should or as others think you should because they know you follow Christ. But here's the good news, that those who put faith and trust in God will escape his wrath. Those who put faith and trust in God, who follow him faithfully, walk with him steadfastly, will be rescued by our God. And that is the message which the Colossians believed in and that they were highly encouraged by in this letter that Paul was writing them. It's the message of God's saving grace. It's the message of the gospel. And that's a message that I believe we can all be encouraged by. That we are saved. That we are set free. That as we look to God, we have this eternal promise of life and eternity with the Father. And so if we look out and walk faithfully in Christ with the conviction uh, of God's Spirit that kind of leads us to, to fight against uh, sinful actions, 
If we, if we do that, rather than just sitting back and remaining apathetic towards sin, apathetic towards the things that are wrong in our life, then through the power of Christ, we can be set free. Amen? And then finally this morning, we look ahead. In Colossians 3, verses 9 to 11, Paul writes, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Cynthian, those people, uh, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. He is all and in all. And so in verse 9, Paul is specifically addressing Christians lying to fellow Christians. That's who he's addressing uh, here. And the reason Paul's kind of instructing Christians not to lie uh, to other Christians, um, I believe, is found uh, in the issue of identity. And so here's the issue of identity. We have been transformed from the old and through Christ made new. And so the, the issue of identity is that we are a new creation. We are a new being. We are constantly being made and molded more and more into the image of Christ. Uh, that transformation more and more into the image of Christ, it'll probably go, it will go on until the day we die. That renewing and reforming of who we are. And so their goal, or the goal that, that Paul has got the Colossian church working towards, is to be Christ-like and to have a Christ-like life. A life of truth, a life of love, and a life that honors the Lord of their new life. And so lying to one another was inconsistent in this new life that Paul is encouraging them in. And by the way, remember, he's preaching in contrast to these false teachers who are doing nothing but lying to the people. And so there are these false teachers who are doing nothing but lying to the people. And Paul's saying, you know what? That is an old life. You are made new. Do not lie to one another. In verse 10, the old self of sin and the world is contrasted with the new self. And then Paul adds that the new self is constantly refreshed through the knowledge of the one who created it. Now go back to our very first week. We talked about having the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God's will. And Paul's adding again here in chapter 3 that the new self is consistently refreshed through knowledge of the one who created it. That's Jesus. That's God. And so we look above, we look out, and we look ahead to new growth 
within our renewed self. Because just as Christ is the image of the invisible God, believers are being made into the likeness and the image of Jesus, being refreshed, being renewed constantly through a growing knowledge of Him. We look forward to who God is molding us to be. We look forward to God's promises. We look forward to everything that God has for us. We walk faithfully and we believe, and I believe for every single person in this room that that there are greater days ahead of you now. I believe for every person in this room that as you walk faithfully in God, God's promises will begin to unfold. They never unfold fast enough for us. I can tell you that. They never unfold the way we want them to. I can tell you that much. But I believe that as we walk faithfully with Him, God's promises will unfold in our lives. Amen. Being refreshed and renewed constantly through a growing knowledge of Him. You know, we spoke about it, a lot about growing in knowledge uh, throughout the series and in, in, um, in growing in the knowledge of God and through God. And one of the byproducts of growing in the knowledge of God is that it makes us more Christ-like. Have you noticed how when you've got something that you're just completely engaged in and then you watch it and then all of a sudden you're talking about it? You know, Debbie had a phone conversation with her sister the other, uh, the other week or a little while ago and her sister said a phrase and Debbie was like, oh, she's been watching this program on TV. But it's like that, that what you feed is what then begins to flow out of you. And so if we feed ourselves with the knowledge, then what is ahead of us is what flows from God and what flows from His purpose in us. And so this passage that we had this morning, you you know, from, from verses one to nine, uh, I mean, let's face it, is, Paul's pretty hard on some of the stuff he kind of pulls out. It's pretty negative. Um, as Paul kind of goes through and, and condemns all the earthly uh, desires that these guys are, uh, are supposed to avoid, probably stuff which they thought was quite fun and quite exciting to get engaged in uh, before they met Christ. But in the closing verses here, Paul ends on a positive note and he emphasizes just again the unity of Christ. What Christ and what he did has meant for the believer. I mean, we wouldn't have the relationships we have here if it weren't for Christ. We wouldn't have the family we have here if it weren't for Jesus. And so Paul highlights that all people groups are considered equal, right in Christ's sight. In verse 11, that Christ is sufficient for all things, including the ability to bring unity among such a diverse group of people. I love that about his church. 
that he could bring unity across all people who have been made new in him. You know, because of this journey that we're all on in Jesus, we're a part of an incredible family that is bigger than even the family we've got here. A family that is led by an almighty God, an all-powerful God, an all-present God, an all-loving God. And we can look ahead to the new life we live with Christ, who is all and who is in all, knowing that in Him we are complete and whole. We can have that confidence as we walk, looking up, looking above, looking out, not being oblivious to what's happening and looking forward knowing that there is a promise for us ahead. So as you look above, as you look out, as you look ahead, rejoice in these three things, that you are complete in Christ. Rejoice that there is unity in Christ and rejoice in the promise of Christ. Because our God, you know what? I don't think even I don't think any of us could even comprehend what our God has installed for us. And that's before we enter the promise of heaven. Oh man, that day's what a glorious day that's gonna be. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Continue to look up, look out, and look ahead. And why don't we stand as we close? You know, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here and you haven't, you don't have this relationship with Jesus where you're walking with Him or where you know salvation in Him. And now I want to give you the opportunity just to pray a prayer inviting Jesus into your heart. You know what? It's nothing that I do. I can't do anything to save you. Only Christ can do that. What I can do is open the floor and give you the opportunity to pray, to invite Him in. And I believe that if it's your time, if it's your moment, if God is impressing and touching your heart, then God will do what God needs to do today. So if you'd like to pray to receive him, to receive this promise that'll protect you, that'll empower you, that'll give you a confidence of an eternity with God, then while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you just to pray this simple prayer. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. I want to look up to you and I want to look forward to a life with you. 
I now invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning, uh, we've actually got some connect cards in the back of the of, on the information table that you can fill out to let us know. We'd love to give you a gift and uh, just to pray with you and get in touch with you. If you're online, uh, fire us an email at uh, info at shoreelam.org.nz. I had to confer with Debbie there. Uh, info at shoreelam.org.nz um, and we'll be in touch with you. But let's just close uh, in song as we finish this morning. Thanks. Let's sing it to your breath.